people that you connected with earlier on move on into different roles and into different positions, right? If you have that relationship and then they go to another company, then all of a sudden that opens the door for a new client. Those relationships that you build early on with clients can, you know, result. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Super excited today to be bringing you one of our amazing young alumni, uh, Frank Borgo, worked with uh, Student Works for a couple seasons, and he actually worked under Patrick Lalonde and uh, our vice president. And so he chose to go into law, and really law is, is a career that really a lot of our alumni have gone in the past. Basically, you develop your own book of business and a lot of there are a lot of similarities for what top operators do at student works in a law career so frank talked about how he excelled in toronto and then he moved back to ottawa and he became a partner in one of the uh, the law firms in ottawa but he ended up being recruited out of that partnership to become a director in the legal counsel for Kaivan or Kaven communities. Kaven has a huge vision of being, is already one of the largest builders in Ontario and wants to become the largest builder in Ontario. And uh, Frank is really excited about what that future has. And, um, you know, sort of using his law career in a business sense. And so really, really fascinating conversation that we had. And, and again, I know a lot of people are interested in law as a career, and I thought it would be awesome to share again, another alumni in that space. You know why we're doing this is to attract amazing young people like Frank to our program who want to become leaders, who want to have big futures like Frank. So if you know anyone, send them to studentworks.com, shoot me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com, or hey, go share them this podcast. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a super fantastic day. Frank, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Chris, looking uh, forward to this pod. Yeah, you bet. So um, we, why don't we go back to explain who you were like before you joined the program as an operator and what you'd done before. Okay, okay. So who I was. So in practice, I would have started student works in, in undergrad. Um, and I think I would have been a, a bit of a later entry, right? I think a lot of students join in, in their first year of undergrad, maybe the second year. Whereas I started, I think I was in third year of university. So, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but uh, I started off as a, a painter. So one year I, I painted and I would say that as uh, who I was starting student works was probably someone very immature and someone who had, you know, kind of grown up in an environment where my parents really uh, valued education and a stable career, right? So I come from a, a family of professionals where, yeah. you know, you go get your education, then you go get your nine to five job and everything's predictable. There's, there's no risk. 
And that was really, um, you know, my mindset, I would say, you know, kind of going into before I even started Student Works, and obviously that was a bit of a, uh, a 180 in terms of what I grew up with, but really a mentality that, you know, a, a job is, is really just about, you know, a, a stable career, right? And that, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, entrepreneurship, I would say in my family was not something that we really even discussed or anything like that. Consider. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, like not closed minded, but someone kind of going into that, that traditional route. So that, that was a bit of a, a young, younger Frank. Uh, what would that have been at least 10 years ago? Yeah. And so so I know one fun thing for our uh, leaders uh, uh, listening is is that you actually work with Patrick Lalonde. So so young Patrick Lalonde 10 years ago. Young, ambitious Patrick <laughs> Lalonde. Yes. Yes. He was so. The full background is that I've known Patrick since elementary school. Okay. So I, I think we go back, I, I want to say maybe fourth grade, something like that. And, you know, there were times in our friendship where we were closer. There were times where we kind of, you know, deviated a little bit. But yeah. sure enough, um, when uh, when it came down to going to university, we both went to the local, you know, University of Ottawa. Yeah. And we were both enrolled in the, the business program, right? you know, sure enough, I mean, that's, and you can already tell where our personality, you know, deviate, right. um, you know, they, they approached, student works approached us uh, in terms of this opportunity, et cetera. And, you know, Patrick was already all in, like, yeah. you, you didn't even have to like convince him anything. Like he was like, you know, like, like uh, card carrying member number one, I would describe <laughs> him as, right? Yeah. Whereas I just said, no freaking way, like this is risky. Like how much are you paying me by the hour? Like yeah. minimum wage back then was it been like eight, nine bucks, right? Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm gonna go and wash dishes. Like this is like a respectable summer job, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, we, we started off that way. I've known Patrick for a long time. I've seen him grow through the organization and really, um, you know, start from what was effectively like his first like operation at, at Stoneworks, which I would say we, we ran a, you know, a tight budget and, uh, you know, it was all uh, hands on deck and, you know, there was no work that Patrick would, you know, if, if, the, if the numbers worked, we never turned down a single job, right? right. And it was, it was a, an interesting summer. It was a good summer. I, I finished, you know, I, I went through all the way with Patrick. And, um, you know, by, by the end of it, I would say that, you know, we, we went back to university and next thing you know, like Patrick kind of blossomed into, well, Patrick alone that you see today. So, yeah. Um, it, all that and so Frank, what had you, what had you interested in, in joining and becoming an operator? What had me interested? So, you know, like, like I said, so I, I painted my first year for Patrick. Right. And then, you know, previous to that, um, like I said, I, I think I was a, a dishwasher. And then before then I worked, you know, some, some manufacturing time, just packaging basically. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like I would say both of those jobs were, were not particularly fun. I mean, most, no. you know, student jobs, I would say aren't, you know, necessarily going to be very interesting, but, you know, I, I saw what being an operator was right. And, um, you know, what, uh, and certainly Patrick was a very successful operator. Yes. Right. And then, just seeing kind of, you know, what, what Patrick was doing basically. And obviously I was the painter. I thought to myself, well, I think I can do this, right? right. Like, you know, like this, this is not, and I think that's kind of like the different personality is I kind of like to have a, a feel for something before I yeah. really jump into, it, especially at that time, right? Yes. Where, you know, um, it, it, for me to just 
going to something of a completely unknown wasn't perhaps kind of my my um, de facto approach. So yeah. I saw that, and then obviously Patrick and I kind of talked about it when it came down to, you know, as he was again moving up, I think a district manager, as you guys would call right. it, yeah, um, that you know he said, you know, basically why don't you paint like you know, yeah. like you, you you told me all this time that. Uh, you know, the operators were the one making all the big bucks and you painters were just, you know, like dogging Taking advantage like, of, yes, surfs. Exactly. Yes. Like, why, you know, like, okay, you got a big mouth. So like, why don't you do it? So so sure enough, you know, um, the, the year after that, I, I joined Student Works as an operator. And, um, you know, and we can talk more about that, but painted basically in the area or I, I guess you still call it a zone or whatever that, that Patrick had operated before. Right. Yeah, no, and I know you were successful. So, you know, we'll we'll jump over that. The the next thing is what had you attracted to law as a as as a career? Uh, law as a career. Okay. So I'll I'll be very candid with you that from my perspective, I don't, you know, it's not like I set out to become a lawyer when I started university. Right. Um, you know, like I think like many um, you know, students that, that go through undergrad, you kind of pro progress through, you know, first year, second year, third year. And at a certain point, you realize that university is not forever, and right. that you have to go get a job, right? right. And what do the, the people that go around and, and look for a job uh, and can't find one do? Well, they go for round two. So, right. so what I did, basically, <laughs> I mean, there, there are various things, but um, right. you know, and I considered various paths, perhaps like my undergrad, dealing you know, business and finance, et cetera. But another one, and again, like kind of coming from this more professional background from my parents, um, you know, law school is always an, an option, right? So I wouldn't say that I was particularly diligent in terms of preparing for law school at the time. Like, it's not like I applied to all the universities. Like, right. that was my goal. I um, very much, you know, considered law school and, and saw University of Ottawa's right there. So I applied to University of Ottawa. Right. And then, you know, next thing you know, um, the, the one school that I applied to, so thankfully, um, you know, accepted me. And uh, from there, you know, I, I went to law school. So, you know, in practice, I would say that, you know, becoming a, a lawyer and really um, kind of growing into the role didn't happen for me, right? Right. right. Like, I knew I, I wanted to, to do something that, if you will, like use your brain, so to speak. But beyond that, I would say that, you know, law school was, was something that opened a door for me. And then from there, which I think is the realization for a lot of young lawyers is, you know, do, do you actually like being a lawyer? Right. right. So, so, yes. you, you know, you went, you went through school and, um, you know, school, you had good grades, et cetera. And then, you know, transitioning into what is the practice of law, which is, is a lot different than what you do at school. Right. And you can kind of pursue a path of academia if you're really like, um, you know, going into the, the nitty gritty, nitty gritty details of, of the law and, you know, um, just jurisprudence, et cetera. But then to practice law, um, is is a lot more like running a, a business. It is running a business and being an operator, right? Right. Why don't we dig in there? So so yeah. So so basically, what you're sharing is is obviously the law. There's there's obviously there's lawyers who are very much into the jurisprudence of law and what the law mm -hmm. is and helping write the law or helping appeal exactly. the law and and uh, the fine technicalities of law. Very very important stuff. And mm -hmm. then there's about being a lawyer, which is a lot more like running a business, building a book of business. And so why don't you walk us through 
you know, uh, like, and, and then maybe why don't you take us through, like, I think some fun, fun um, conversation points that I think will be very helpful for a lot of our potential operators in the future is, hey, what's it like operating in Toronto versus Ottawa? What's it oper like operating, you know, you're one of the big firms, you know, Miller Thompson and Shibley Wright and big firms. And then, and then what's it, what's it like in, in Ottawa? So those are a couple of the, the avenues I think we want to walk through. Sure. So, I mean, I would say like the journey or the, the traditional path in terms of becoming a lawyer, right? So obviously um, you need to, to, you know, check various boxes. The first box you're going to have to check is go through law school, right? So you yes. have to do your, your three years and law and, and profession, they, it is kind of one of the more traditional route. I would say that they do bring in, you know, interns, if you will, so what we call like students. And effectively, the, the gist of it is, is you do your first year in university uh, of law school. If, you know, like um, basically you, you fall within a certain, I would say, like ratio of students that have, you know, good grades and that you really are interested in kind of pursuing a path in, in private practice, then uh, the second year, there, there are rounds of recruitment where law firms will, will go to every university and interview candidates. Um, and, and then from there, kind of landing that that summer student job is kind of your in, if you will, the, the, the most secure in, if you will, in terms of then um, if you're hired, then you spend a summer, usually about four months, working at, uh, at, the, at the law firm as a, a student, right. uh, where, where you're going to get a bit of experience. Quite frankly, looking back at it, you're, you're not going to do anything very like sophisticated, like it's, it's pretty sure. basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and then um, as the, the mantra goes, um, as long as you don't burn down the building during your, your summer, <laughs> you will be invited uh, to come back for articling. So so articling um, just as much as, you know, in, in medicine, you have your um, you have to do your, your internship. I'm forgetting the word offhand here, but to become a lawyer after you pass law school, you have to pass the, the bar exam. And then you also have to spend, you know, 10 years or 10 years, 10 months working under the tutelage, if you will, I suppose is the, the greater idea of uh, a seasoned lawyer, right? right? And then once you pass your, your article, you, you pass the bar and your articling, then you can basically um, become a full-blown lawyer. So, so you do after that, like as I was saying, uh, you come back for, for your articling. So then your articling, if you will, is the beginning. Uh, people will say it's your rite of passage, but I would say that that extends well after uh, yes. articling. articling. Uh, so articling is is really where you're you're going to first be tested, right? Where um, effectively the um, you know you're going to be put into uncomfortable situations. You're going to work long hours, and then really to you know if and and find what you're interested in, right? Because a lot of lawyers, I would say, um, like I was saying, kind of going into law school. You might have an idea, you know, like I, I had a bachelor's in you know, business or whatever. So I was interested in kind of corporate, like mergers, acquisition, et cetera. Right. Others might gravitate more towards, you know, litigation going into court. But you're kind of going to fall into, you know, what, what you like and then people you like to work with, right? And then within kind of articling, there's the big, you know, the higher back. So there's for, for, uh, for law students you know, higher backs are a big thing. So typically right. most law firms will, um, you know, bring back a certain percentage of their articling students as first year associates, right? right? And then in articling the, you know, what you're working towards for a lot of people, um, which, it, you know, in hindsight, shouldn't be the end all be all is, you know, to be hired back at the firm, right? Because right. then you've got a full-time job as a lawyer, but 
you know, I would say that, you know, in Toronto, so when you were asking about, you know, Toronto, Ottawa, like um, in, in Toronto, where I articled, I could say like there was in terms of the, the practice areas and, and the various, you know, options effectively, like some people might, you know, filter and try to self-filter to find a job versus others will focus more so on, you know what, I want to practice what I want to do, right? Now, I don't know, I wouldn't say that's necessarily different from, um, from Ottawa necessarily, but, um, you know, where I was at, at least, I kind of found myself uh, gravitating towards real estate right. and then kind of fell into it, right? So then in, in terms of your path as a lawyer, as we're kind of talking about, then, you know, you get hired back. So I would say, you know, for me, actually, I was it was kind of uh, a little bit different in that I was hired back, but uh, ultimately ended up joining another firm afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what you're going to end up doing typically, again, if you're following the traditional route is you're going to then become an associate and you're going to go and, you know, put in your years, if you will, towards for what people look at as partnership. So ultimately right. becoming a partner in a law, right? And the, you know, within partners, you have different kind of, subcategories you have your uh, income partners if you will your junior partners and then your equity partner but that's kind of the the traditional route in terms of becoming a lawyer right right between Ottawa and Toronto having like kind of experienced both I, I think there's too much emphasis quite frankly that's placed on um, the, the idea of, of Toronto like working in the the big smoke and etc I think that ultimately you can be a very successful lawyer in any city Right. And I would also say that in terms of, you know, because a lot of people are like lawyers work a lot. The, the truth is, right, is if you're going and, and to, to follow kind of that route of the, the big law, whether you're in Toronto, whether you're in Ottawa, you're going to work a lot. The, right. the hours, honestly, because quite, especially in this environment where everything is remote uh, and clients can be, you know, national or international companies, like it doesn't matter that you're located in the Ottawa office, in my opinion, versus the Toronto office the work-life balance is going to be very similar, right? Right. I would say in terms of the, the difference between kind of pursuing a, a career in at Toronto versus Ottawa versus even going Calgary is maybe in terms of practice areas, like if you really want to become this mergers and acquisition lawyers uh, versus maybe you want to do you know energy law, that might differ a little bit because obviously, um, you know, Mergers and like all the, I would say the big firms that act on the, the large transaction, they're, they're centrally Toronto. located in Toronto. In Toronto Energy, right? Calgary. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Right. Aboriginal law, you're going further west. Right. Yes. So, in yeah. terms of that's probably the, the biggest difference, as I would say, is if you really have a mindset on the type of practice you want to do, uh, certainly the city can impact that. Outside of that, though, I mean, having done kind of both, Especially what I do, which is real estate, which is very regional, to be honest. Yeah, with you, right. For sure. Um, it, it really doesn't change much. So, you know, I I certainly enjoyed my time in Toronto, yeah. but I would say in terms of pursuing kind of a, a career, et cetera, whether, you know, in, in law or anywhere else, I think at the end of the day, you know, at, at first uh, the switching cities might be exciting, et cetera. But then, you know, you'll, you'll kind of settle into to a life and you have to, to determine whether or not, you know, you, you see your future uh, in a city, especially with a, a practice in, in law where um, I would say that because, you know, um, and, and you were kind of mentioning is, uh, and, and sales, et cetera, is that, you know, when you start off as an associate, a, a junior associate, right, you're, you're basically 
um, a, a baby, you know, uh, uh, sucking at the tit like a a a right? You're 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 reliant on other partners to give you work, and basically your job is to go and and then and docket means go complete the work and charge for the work is what docket means. exactly yes. right. So 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 in practice, it means you know putting in the effort, right? Yes. And as you kind of trip like transition into a more senior associate and then you know junior partner, etc. That's where the emphasis is placed, not just on being able to do the work, but effectively bringing in the work so that first you can become independent. Yeah. Um, so you're not reliant on someone else to, to give you work. And then the next step is really to, to bring in sufficient work so that you can feed this work down the pipe. Yes, pipe. To, other, to, other, to other juniors. And, and so... Eventually, uh, Frank became a partner. Uh, so mm -hmm. in in you know uh, you know four or five years, you know so so that's that's kind of the goal. You know, four or five years, I you you become a partner. It means you're excelling at that. Why don't we talk about that? So so obviously you need to do good legal work. That's clear, mm -hmm. right? So, sure. but beyond that, how does a how does a lawyer start to turn? I'm doing this work into actually gathering other work. Um, and that work and those clients start to become your own. How does that work for our leaders listening? Okay, so so in practice, um, there's going to be various ways where you're going to get work. The, the, the easiest way um, and, and really the most natural progression is going to be through existing clients where, okay. you know, you, you may act for an institutional client and you're going to build a relationship with the individuals at that, um, you know, Firm. company. Right. Company, yeah. And with, with certain clients, if they're, they're large enough, right, then in practice, without it be necessarily becoming your client, just the, the sheer fact that they are sending you work versus, you know, work they might send, you know, elsewhere, because the, the truth is, is that, you know, a company like Walmart will have multiple law firms. Yes. Right. And that's one way where you're going to become somewhat, you know, independent. From there, what, what you're going to find is that as, as your network grows, right, and, and people that you connected with earlier on move on into different roles and into different positions, right, if you have that relationship and then they go to another company, then all of a sudden that opens the door for a new client, right? right. So those relationships that you build early on with clients can, you know, result in, you know, growing and, and building that, that book. The second thing I would say is, you know, um, at least in terms of my experience, is you might have large clients or, you know, larger clients that will kind of, you know, they'll have small little issues that come up, right, as an right. associate. And then, you know, like in practice, like, you know, they don't, they're not going to deal with like a, a partner, et cetera. And they might even just, you know, somebody at your law firm, like a file gets thrown around. Right. Nobody right. really cares about that file, but you know, oh, okay, well, they have a real estate thing. They're not our client. They came through Joe Blow, et cetera. But you know, down the road, like this is a, an established client. And if you can be successful with that initial file, right, then next thing you know, they might send you more work. Right. Okay. And then really like like building that, you know, book of business is is a lot like um, being an operator, right? Is you you kind of build that momentum, word of mouth gets out, right? right. You do good work and then uh, in, in doing good work, then you keep those relationships and you build on those relationships, right? It's, um, yeah. Sorry. And so so as an operator, what skills did you gain as a two-time, you, you know, successful operator with us 
how did those merge over into being successful as an associate and eventually as a partner? You know, those, those skill sets. Hey, leaders. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we approach and surpass 300 episodes, well over 95% of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the Student Works Management Program. It has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, we will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit Student Works and get sent to a landing page to apply. There is a bold Student Works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, like, I mean, building a book of business and, and more even beyond that, I mean, sales are like being a salesman, you're, you're a salesman if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, et cetera, sure. and having yeah. that foundation in terms of knowing how to, you know, work a sale, if you will. Like, I still remember, I think these first meetings, we talk about the fundamentals of, of a sale, and I think it's like yeah. build rapport, yeah. and then you identify a need, yeah. and you build a need, then you present yeah. your solution, and then you close. Yeah. That's the same thing when you meet a, a client, right? Yeah. Is, you know, you'll meet them, you'll, you'll build rapport, they'll talk about, you know, what's happening. So you'll identify what legal issue they have, yeah. and then you, you'll build on, okay, well, here are the possible, you know, risks, right? And, and here's what we can do for you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then at that uh, time, like the, the closing, which honestly for a lot of lawyers is probably the, the most awkward part, I would say, because um, lawyers aren't really trained for, for sales is, yeah. you know, law services isn't cheap. Like if you think that selling like a, a paint job is expensive, <laughs> like you try to sell someone on $50,000 worth of paperwork, you right? Yeah. Which, and your best case scenario after we do all this work is that your status quo that you want to keep is going to be like remain. That's yes. your best case. Like I'm, I'm like, like, yes, you're a value add, but the value add in terms of, you know, here's how much you could lose, right? Yes. And it's, so you know, much of it like, is risk mitigation, right? For, for, risk for mitigation, yes. right? And, and risk mit mitigation is very difficult to see, right? Yes. Um, so, so you got to be able to sell that and you got to yes. be able to, to present, you know, like, and, you know, like amounts where you're looking at, you're like, yeah, $50,000, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. And, you know, to, to, to be able to close on that, like, and there are various ways, like strategies that, you know, go back to student works where I, I remember, like, you know, you present, well, here, you know, we can, we can do this job. We can paint just the bedrooms here, yes. how much it would be. We can do the bedroom plus this, here's how much. And then we can give you the full package. And it's the same thing in law, right? You can present yes. it. I can do X, I can do Y. And then, you know, from there, you know, it's, it's being able to be comfortable with, you know, the, the financial discussion and the fact that it's going to cost you money um, is something that, you know, from, from early on from student work, I think really helped, right? Yes. Because a lot of lawyers are very shy of that part. Yes. Right? Yeah, they feel uncomfortable. Yeah, they feel uncomfortable, there, uncomfortable asking about thing. money. For you, you've already done hundreds and hundreds of presentations 
and you know you've already you know closed you know large jobs you know again that were that that were uh significant for you so you just become emboldened you become okay i can just go do this and then the other thing is is that it's different uh learning how to sell and influence right so you've got a lot of right. practice in building that rep oh no for sure for sure and i would also say another piece too is you know like you're going to be denied and people like like the, the you know knocking on doors and and being rejected um that helps like that like that that having you know not being afraid of rejection because that's going to be the case too and like yeah you know like you're, you're you're gonna attend these networking events you're you're gonna have to go and just introduce yourself to people who either don't know you or you know think that uh that here's this young buck trying to sell me but that that's the nature of the beast right yes, um, yes. and if you can't like you know learn to um to do that at, at a certain stage in your, your locker and you don't I, nobody expects a first year lawyer to do it but you're gonna have to do it as a partner like at, at a certain point if if and, and I, I do want to emphasize that there's nothing wrong with not following the traditional path of, of law of you know becoming a partner etc right um you know some people go different um directions however if you're going to go that direction you, you know at some point yes like you're gonna have to be the lead you're gonna have to, to you know handle both the, the sale and then also the, the quality aspect of it when somebody else has kind of screwed up or may have, you know, given some, I wouldn't say improper advice, but something occurred who you're responsible with. And then you have to be the relationship manager. You have to have that discussion with client and, you know, you're, you're not going to like, don't throw anyone under the bus at the end of the day that, you know, the buck ends with you and yes. you're accountable. Exactly. And just as much as you are as an operator, right? Like, Nobody wants to hear like a, a customer say, oh, like my painters like blame the paint. That, that's the worst thing you can ever do, yeah. right? You got to be accountable. You, you know, uh, if there's been a mistake, like at the end of the day, like people are looking at you and they want an answer, right? Yeah. So, so that component, there's, there's so much to it. And then finally, like, you know, as a lawyer, you're, you're going to have staff under you. You're going to have people working and they're going to look towards you in terms of, of both leadership but also sometimes like, you know, like they're not going to show up to work or they're going to do something and you're just going to want to pull your hair um, and lose your, but you can't, you know, like, and you have to get used to that at some point. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, being a lawyer that transitioned from just early days of, of student works. And I say, I would say really helped me um, at an earlier stage in my career, understanding that, you know, like, I mean, Sometimes I would also say that, you know, what, what is the best lawyer? What is a good lawyer, right? That, that can mean many things, right? You can be the best lawyer because your advice is just bulletproof or it's just phenomenal and you're yeah. a great writer. But you could also be a, a great lawyer, if you will, because you're, you're, you know, you're one of the rainmakers at the firm. And quite yeah. frankly, like the firm needs you to operate the business. That, that can also be a great lawyer. So, you know, and then, you know, trying to blend both as much as you can. So, no, the, the experience with, with student works, and I also oftentimes joke with Pat that, you know, I, I wish I had, because I only did one year, right, as an operator. Okay, I thought you did too. Okay, yeah. Only did one year, and I wish I had came back for that second year, mm -hmm. looking yeah. back at it, right? Yeah. Um, we weren't as, we were, we, um, at the time, Frank, our business wasn't as good at selling and, and, acknowledging the, the the advantages and coming back for multiple years so now half of our team comes back every year at the time it was 30 35 and i and i put really 
we were responsible. Now, right from the start, we're selling multiple years in the business and sharing why it matters and uh, et cetera. You know, and I think like having these podcasts, right, and yeah. kind of seeing what you exactly know, the, the links the, like, people have done with their career, right? And yeah. like I, I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons that I did not go back, right, is I thought that like when you looked at my resume when I was gonna like go to apply, not even applying to law school, but like those first right. jobs, I was like, I was a dishwasher. I worked at some like plant, like like you know, packaging chicken. Yeah. And then I ran a, like a painting business. Like these law firms are going to think like the experience I have is useless or whatnot. Like I got to go and like volunteer at some local, you know, um, I, I remember I worked with an MP or things like that. Right. Like I thought I needed that like office experience, which in hindsight, looking back at it was completely useless. Like absolutely, yes. like it provided no value. And I would even say that, you know, like looking back, like when people interviewed me for those like some like student jobs, you know, like having like something on your, I remember my resume, right? Like kind of like, oh, you did, like nobody's going to want to go ask you a question. Like, how did you like working at Eastside Marriott? like, for sure. Like, no, but yeah. that was something that stood out in my resume was like, hey, I operated a business, you know? Yeah. I had, I think at the time, like I, I put like, I think it was like 95,000 in, in revenue, yeah. which at the time yeah. was, was quite a bit. Very high, you know? Yeah. And, and that was a conversation start, just like, just that in of itself, not even the experience I gained from it. Yeah. But, you know, people thought that was really cool. And you know? it is because you learned how to sell, you learned how to manage clients, you learned all these things, manage staff. And, you know, one of the other big things I always like to connect the dots for people is the, the people you deal with mm -hmm. as, you know, as a partner, as an associate, a law firm is the same people that we paint homes for and clean windows for. They literally are the yeah. same types of customers and they expect the same types of things returning texts and emails quickly, returning phone calls quickly, yeah. a high level of communication, you know, very, you know, very, you know, honest, direct communication, you know, kindness, you know, all these different things, uh, you know, 100% responsibility, all these sort of, you know, values that we teach. And so that all of a sudden, you're just, you're a whole leg up over the normal associate who comes into the firm, I think. Exactly. I, and I, I couldn't agree more because one of the, the key things in terms of uh, how I built my practice, and I mean, obviously, like kind of focusing on, on business development, trying to build a, a book as early as I could, because I, you, can, you, can, you can kind of tell looking down the road, you're like, oh, you know, Jim is, is really good in terms of when he writes legal opinion, but he's getting bossed around by every other partner at the firm. Like, you know, I'd rather be like, like so-and-so who seems to be like, everybody seems to jump when he says to do something, right? And <laughs> exactly. Seem like too, like, like stressed, right? Um, there was, there was that aspect, but I would say, you know, like it, it's one thing to, to say, oh, I'm going to like introduce myself, but like you have, you have to apply consistency and yeah, replying to mess like emails, right. And delivering when you say you're going to deliver because yes. there's nothing worse. And, you know, we talk about it after now that I'm in-house counsel is if somebody tells me they're going to do something and have something to me by Wednesday or something, and then on Wednesday comes and goes and I didn't get it. And I told like the owner of the company yes. that we'd have it by then. Like that is terrible. And I don't yes. care how good whatever you're about to send me is going to be on Thursday, assuming you give it to me on Thursday, I'm going to be upset, right? Yes. And, and I think it's the same thing, or at least if you're not going to make the deadline, like call me and tell Communicate, me. Communicate, this is like, what's broken. This is what happened, 100%. Yes. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you can't, like asking for, for extensions. Like, I think you, you learn early on that a paint job, like once a, a you know, a, a customer has put down a deposit, you told them you're showing up uh, on that day. Like, 
there's no better way to lose a like business than not fulfill that you know that commitment so no i mean the, the experience is is you know whether you're running a, a student painting business or you're running a law firm or you're running whatever now like a home building developer company being like the the principles are always the same right yeah. For sure. No, and that's, you know, to us, that's integrity and we coach it and coach it better than we did. And we're continuing to focus on that. And then why don't we talk about, you know, it's kind of great, obviously, hey, you're a partner, you've reached the crescendo, not to say that, oh, hey, you're at the level, because we know that there's higher and higher levels as you succeed, but clearly you're on a path, Frank, and then you decide to jump out. So, so why don't you tell, why don't you tell our leaders, you know, what had you motivated to join Caven and, and why you did, et cetera, and what this opportunity is about? Sure, sure. So, I mean, in, in, in like when I started practicing, I mentioned that, you know, I, I gravitated towards real estate and that's what I did in Toronto. And then I moved back to Ottawa and, and practice real estate. And there are various subcomponents of, of real estate. I won't bore uh, your listeners with that, but one of the, the big pillars that we were uh, doing back in my firm was was real estate development, right? right? And then you know, one of our clients just happened to be Kai Ben. So yeah. uh, for the better part of, of five years, I was uh, acting for you know Kai Ben, which is one of the uh, larger home builders in Ontario. And you know, getting to both practice law, but once you build a relationship with the client, you're, you're getting to see their business and how they yes. operate, etc. Right. Yeah. You know how what, what's going on behind the scene right yes. and you know just as much as i was kind of following the the path of a partnership which honestly i always have you know that's kind of the the de facto yes um i was um also kind of seeing what was you know be, like happening with 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 Kaivan, developer client and I, I, and I don't know at which juncture but i would say in my practice i, I found that a lot of my clients were, were calling me a lot not to for me to give them business advice but that you know, one of my value add was that I could really kind of focus and understand how their business operates. Yeah. Right. And I think looking back at, I've always just been fascinated with, you know, business, which I, I mean, some could say it's the, the greatest skill, it's the greatest art, right? You might say, you know, law is one thing, but the law is just one component of many things that operates. Yeah. Right. And, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, basically I was uh, presented with, um, you know, I was approached, I should say, to, to kind of join Kaivin. Yeah. And then I, what I thought was kind of my path, the traditional, you know, partnership route, um, you know, I, I, I looked at it and, and I thought to myself, or not thought to myself, but I think I always, I've always known deep down that while I enjoy, you know, the law, I don't, I don't hate it. I think there's a lot more uh, to, um, to what uh, I'm, I'm looking for in terms of, of personal uh, growth, whether it's, it's career, professional, et cetera, than just being a lawyer, right? And while you know i i certainly had just made partner and then everything that came with it um the the appeal of just something new and a new challenge and really kind of re like returning if you will to you know like operating a, a business i it was something that just appealed to me to to a certain degree that i just you know looked at what i i envisioned my future to be as a yeah. partner as a lawyer versus this kind of great unknown which could be very challenging could be exciting but um would uh, effectively just you know how can i say um bring about something new to get out of bed every day you know yeah, like a, a, sure. thing, a little scale etc and this was just um an itch i had to scratch so yeah long story yeah. short is you know i made partner and then a few months six or like five months i guess now 
uh, just pivoted and, you know, took basically an opportunity to join a, join a home building. Yeah. So I yeah. think, you know, for, for me, like the way I see it is that I don't think, and, and I think that's where kind of my mentality changed, right? When I was, you know, early on before I joined StudentWorks was kind of the, the traditional path. You just go and do one thing and you kind of do it forever. Whereas I think now, yeah. like you, you have to look at what you, what you're doing as, you know, much more fluidly. Right. It's, you know, like one thing, one day you might be doing something, but the other day, you know, if you feel like, like, you know, you only live once too, like, Hey, what the hell? Like if, you know, like there's gotta be more to it than just, you know, stability, risk, et cetera. So from my perspective, it's what is, you know, what is the risk, which I think you could in many ways say that it's not really like, I think we get in our head about that versus, you know, what could be a challenge and just as much as, you know, look back like student works and kind of like, Oh, you know what? Like, what did I really enjoy out of student works in many ways? It was get, getting outside my comfort zone. And once you get out of it and seeing that you're succeeding and then growing, right? And I, what I saw as, as an opportunity was basically like, I didn't see a whole lot of growth anymore as a part of like, yes, you become a better lawyer, but in terms of what I'm looking for in, in, in my career, et cetera, I just saw the, the opportunity to get out of my comfort zone and just grow. So yeah. that's why I pivoted. Yeah. No, it's great. And one of the one of the things that that happens very commonly in uh, corporate accounting, corporate law, is this exact situation. Companies are working with uh, young lawyers or you know older lawyers or accountants, and they all of a sudden say, "Hey, why don't we approach them and bring bring that person into our business?" And it's a win win because guess what? Frank's going to keep sending the legal work to uh, his old firm. Why wouldn't he? They're great people. They they have a great relationship. So it's so and Frank was able to see with five years of dealing with these people at Kaiban how they act, how they you know one of the things as well is in because I've been in these obviously you, and no, you can't do business for forty years without being in some legal skirmishes and sure. challenges. So you learn how people deal with these and you really show up. I you know some people say well don't judge me from my worst day and that's a fair thing to right. say but. And there's another way to say, well, isn't that when we really determine who Chris is at his worst day? You know, meaning, you know, when the tips are down and things aren't, you know, Chris isn't rested and challenged. Well, that's maybe the best way to look at it. So there's a side to both of those. But you've been able to see how Kaiban is uh, and the, those those mm -hmm. leaders are. And obviously it wouldn't be joining unless that check was like, OK, you know, I get these people. And that's that's an exciting thing. And, you know, about who we're choosing to work with. Yeah, and for sure. And I would say, you know, in practice, not every law firm is that way, but I would say like lawyers and law firms in general are very risk adverse, very mm -hmm. conservative. And if you're you're looking for, um, you know, new challenges and excitement, et cetera, like, and depending on your personality, you know, like it just, it, it was just something to, to, you know, how could, again, like as a lawyer, you, you kind of do, you know, your, your years, et cetera, et cetera then, you know, the great unknown and this, um, you know, like, we're just going to try things and, you know, we're ambitious. We want to grow. And our goal right now is not to, you know, just look at, you know, our, whatever we, our financials were, were last year in terms of a law firm and not lose it. It's right. no, let's, let, let's, let's do something big, right? Like, like, let's dream and, and see what we can achieve versus I don't think, not that law firms don't, but I don't think there's that same level of, of ambition, if you will, right? Yes. And um, again, just seeing kind of a, a, a really a strong vision in terms of an organization and what Kaiben's looking to, to do in the next five years, 
it's really tough to, to see that and, and then go back to your desk and say, oh, well, now I'm going to go docket that. You yeah. know, I got to get my, my dockets in, et cetera. Right. Well, that's awesome. And so what about, what, what have you needed to change as you've gone along to, to, to become the value creator you are? What, what sort of, what sort of shifts did Frank need to make? Oh, honestly, there, there were probably, there were many changes. Like I would say, I think early on, you know, learning how to not take things personally. Um, I think when I was young and immature, I was kind of alluding to, um, I guess what you would call my emotional intelligence was probably very, very low. And just uh, taking, you know, any, like, take, like learning to take criticism, right? Yes. Um, was something that I was probably terrible at early on. And I think in terms of, of who I am now, if anything, sometimes I think I, I can at times take emotions completely too much out of it, right? Like I've almost okay, pivoted, yeah. but and then there's a fine balance. But I think that, you know, one thing um, that, that, that changed was, was learn, like, you know, like not to uh, be beholden to your, to your emotions, like emotions come and go, right? Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, um, one of my kind of key things is, you know, and I think for a lot of people, but don't make any decisions while you're like, you're emotional, yes. right? Was, was one of those things. And also not assume that if somebody is, is like, you know, doing something to you or just something is happening and, you know, you're just not liking this person, don't just assume that this person is doing it out of malice, right? Like yes. a lot of people just do things and like, they're just either, you know, being dumb, like they just don't realize what they're doing, right? Yeah. And like kind of changing that perspective of, Instead of assuming that they, you know they have it out against me, it's no. That's just you know they're just not realizing what they're doing, right? Um, I, I would say something else too that took quite a few years was kind of building that you know perseverance and, and grit. Um, you know I think when I was much younger, um, you know if I if I had a setback, that would really I would really get in my head over that. You know like I, I had a really hard time kind of you know people talk about a short memory. Like I had a very long memory, like that. I would just think about that, right? And and just learning to to you know like well both like let things go and and just perseverance, right? Like there is going to be challenges. You are gonna fail. You know, you're you're you're, you're gonna like screw up as a as a lawyer no matter what, right? And not letting and that like put you down and and building from that, right? And I think like those were things from from an early. When I was, you know, much younger, that probably like I naturally like, you know, and as you kind of grow, you gain experience. Like I, I improved upon, and uh, I think have made me much more successful, right? And much, much better. I mean, again, there's there are a lot of things I could say that young Frank, like, you know, had to to learn upon. <laughs> well, no, that's that's a bunch. That's a bunch. So, and what about key habits? What key habits would would a young leader want to grab from Frank? Ooh, key habits, I would say, um, so, so I wouldn't say like, you know, a lot of people talk about their, their morning routines and et cetera, and all that. I don't have a morning routine, so I'm not going to be the right guy for that. Um, I would say one of my, my key habits is, and, and this is something I built, but like staying on top of every like thing, right? One, one thing that, um, for me, I found that really kind of, um, like helps me kind of build that momentum, right? Is I always like, it's so easy to let things slide. Like, it's so easy to just, yes. I'm going to ignore this. I'm like, this is going to go like, I don't want to look at this, right? And what 
something like you at least for me come to realize is that you know when when like i ignore those things and i think most people do i just end up ignoring it big time like i just completely forget about it and i think one of my best habits is you know and there was this old saying that a a lawyer once you know told me and i love it because it just makes you feel about it is you're you're not late until somebody has followed up with you right okay. so it instead of you know like like let's say like yeah you, you had a, a whatever like difficult week etc you didn't get around to do something right and then it just seems like oh like they know i'm gonna be late this is gonna be like awkward etc right like i i live by that that if they haven't followed up i'm still like on top of it you know what okay. i mean and and so prioritize just, it get it done yeah get yeah. it done yeah yeah so and, and really like yeah, just not letting things slip, so to speak. I think I'm 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 pretty just good at just even if it's going to be an email and just say or, or something where like you know oh I'll get back to you right yeah. that means a lot honestly I, I and again that's probably not um, a, a habit right but I think something that I I like to to do is set very realistic goals versus these ginormous goals of like i'm gonna go do five things and just building on those small wins right like um and this is not just like kind of like um in you know just professional life right but you know like going to the gym right, right. but i like to to go and i don't feel like going to, well whatever i'll just go for 30 minutes yeah. right and just kind of like selling myself on these small wins and building from that is something that i think i'm, I'm pretty good at because consistency i guess is is really the the ultimate thing i'm getting at is i think i'm very consistent right and it's easy to kind of go up and down up and down like i'm working like a, and then i'm going to go crash and then i'm going to and i think i'm i'm very like i I've, I've built all these kind of habits to just consistency and i think at the end of the day consistency is is key right it is it is no consistency and discipline you know top star performance sure but you know again building a really in, in, really significant career legacy over a long period of time is that, you know, how am I going to show up every day? My worst day is yeah. still going to be an eight, you know, that sort of thing like that, exactly. you know, you know, and, and again, maybe my best day will be a nine and a half, but I'm just, you know, always in there performing uh, well, you know, that's a great way to think exactly. of it. And always like, even sometimes like always performing, start with just that. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you it just, it, it snowballs. Right. And I think that, I think I'm, 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 something I'm probably, you know, good at, as we, as we were saying. Exactly. So anything else you'd like to share before I ask you the last question of our, of our podcast? Anything I'd like to share? I mean, honestly, I, I already alluded to it, which was the fact for me that I, I never, you know, like in terms of return to student work. So for, for, you know, those in your audience that are kind of on the, you know, the, the fringe as to whether or not to, to go back to student works and, you know, whether to, um, you know, kind of follow like, like I did basically a more like traditional path um, in terms of being a professional, I would say, you know, one does not exclude the other. Right. Like, and, and if anything, like student works is, you know, and, and any type of, of business is um, a great value add in terms of pursuing a more, you know, a professional, like not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Like I, I, you know, the, the world also needs, um, you know, people who are going to be um, you know, part of organization, but just because, you know, you're ultimately going to not be completely on it does not mean that, you know, you're not gaining tremendous experience, right? And like, don't worry about what's on, you know, your resume to the extent that you're concerned about that. Like, 
you know, like this is like the opportunity to kind of get um, experience, like real world experience at such an early age is just tremendous. Awesome. And so when you think of the leader of tomorrow, what do you think of, Frank? Oh, leader of tomorrow. That's a, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, I mean, at, to me, uh, like the, the a leader of tomorrow is someone who has, like, whether you call it, a, you know, a, a vision or a goal and is going to pursue it to its absolute fullest, right? And, you know, if, if I were to, to describe the people that, you know, I, I like within our organization or people who I've encountered and who I would just say, like, this person is a leader, this is someone I want to go to war with, right, is because they, they believe in one thing or two things and they live and die by it. And, you know, that is, you know, that the, the aura, they just, that's the aura that just shows. And, and to me, that is, you know, the leader of tomorrow is somebody who is, you know, um, so... Uh, I wouldn't say in the but has that like one particular idea and will pursue it to the very fullest. And, oh, and that's that. how I see it. I love that, Frank. Uh, yeah, that's great. And, you know, because because really as leaders, you know, like you said, we can only choose one or two and have any type of impact on it. Right. So it's just and, and I can sell I can see that one of the things that draw you to Kaven was was they've got a real big focus and excitement about it. And it's exciting. It's alluring to go and say, hey, we want to be the biggest home builder in in, in the country. And and uh, hey, we need amazing talent to come go do that, right? So it's it's yeah, fun to no, pursue it. Fun to pursue great and, stuff. And, and like to, yeah, exactly. To pursue like, like great, like whatever you do, be like great at it and, and pursue it to its fullest. And again, like, I, I mean, I know we talked a lot about like the business world, but that doesn't mean like, hey, if you want to be, you know, the, the greatest like academic professor, but like just that one thing, you know, and, and to me, like when, when you meet these people and I'm sure you've met them through, you know, it just resonates, Absolutely. you know, and it just leaves you thinking like, wow, like this person is going to do something great. I Fantastic. can just tell already because they sleep and breathe this. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, Frank, thanks so much for your time on the Leaders Tomorrow podcast. Great work today. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.